0: This is the Leonard Lopate Show on WNYC at WNYC.org. I'm Jonathan Capehart sitting in for Leonard. Ready, Michael? Okay, vinegar often plays an essential role in the food we eat. We use it in everything from baking to braising to pickling. But our author, Michael Harlan Turkell, argues vinegar still remains an underappreciated ingredient. He's the author of the recent book, Acid Trip, Travels in the World of Vinegar. It's published by Abrams and looks at how countries from France to Japan make and use vinegar. Michael Harlan Turkell joins us for this week's Please Explain to discuss the many uses of vinegar and how you can make your own at home. Really? Welcome, Michael. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And yes, really, I do make my own at home. And And if you have a question, you out there listening... If you have a question about making vinegar or a favorite dish you make that uses vinegar, give us a call at 212-433-9692 or comment on our Facebook or Twitter pages at Leonard Lopate. All right, Michael. Let's do this. Vinegar. (laughs) I just have to start at the beginning. Where did it come from? How long has it been around? And why on earth do we use it? Well... I think the history
1: of vinegar starts right after the history of wine or beer. Or someone was We're talking a ten- millennia. Oh yes, absolutely. You know, back in Babylonia on the on the you know, edges of the Euphrates and Tigris River. There were all these very, very sapid fruits from figs and pomegranates. And that juice and syrup was made into what people thought was wine. And it was for an instant, but <laughs> there wasn't, you know, refrigeration. There wasn't the uh, microbiology that we have now. So then it quickly became vinegar and it was enjoyed as a potable as well because, you know, they didn't know what that second fermentation was at that time. They just knew that. Flavors were changing, textures were changing, and there was this, this newfound acidity.
0: And so how quickly back then did wine turn into vinegar? Are we talking days, weeks, or yeah. hours? Oh, I,
1: I, I wish I can transport myself back and really <laughs> know. But I, I do know that they were made in these um, kind of cellars. And so when the wine fermented, um, it fermented into vinegar very quickly just because of the environment itself. It was very hot, very humid. So what did the Babylonians use vinegar for? I'm not 100% sure because I think it was mainly for drinking. Um, Vinegar really didn't find its way into the pantry until about 1500 BC, almost contemporaneously. In China, it was put on the table as like a condiment, maybe for Hmm. long bao, you know, soup dumplings, maybe for noodles. But it didn't really find itself in the culinary lexicon until much, much further.
0: Wow. Okay. So now we're present day... We've we we're, we've come back from ancient ancient times. Why should people spend more time focusing on vinegar, or vinegars? Because it's not just one. It's, it's not just one. Because my okay, I'm just gonna put it all out there, in all honesty. My vision of vinegar is that clear that clear bottle on the supermarket shelf, usually with a Heinz label on it, and it's white vinegar. And still to this day, I have no idea what it's for. For shame. (laughs) Well, I could tell you what it should be for, and it should be relegated for cleaning.
1: Okay. That, That particular vinegar. Yes. White distilled vinegar is made up of ethanol. Um, it can be any ethanol. There's very little regulation in this country about what alcohol vinegar is made from. And vinegar is just a second fermentation off of al- alcohol. Okay. Um, so that white distilled stuff is a spirit. It, it, it's something that maybe is from commodity grain, has no nutritional or health value, has no live acetobacter, has no story. And I think that's what's missing from vinegar today, the stories. And
0: that's what I'm hopefully here to present. Okay. So what's so the story? Tell me the story the whole thing <laughs> that's why i wrote a book <laughs> yes that's why you're here to talk about this this acid trip okay all right so how should people think about vinegar as a sauce as a as an ingredient as something to drink or all of the, all of those things well it's acid you know it is
1: four to six percent percent acidity in solution that solution being water so it is a sensation it is a seasoning um and just like a lot of other pantry ingredients, from salt to sugar, it can be used across you know a lot of different um, cooking applications. You know, from baking, from cocktails to eggs and breakfast and brunch to you know braised dinners. So there's no singular use, and at that same time, there's no singular vinegar. You know, you might have uh, talked about that white distilled, you know, being what we see on the supermarket shelf, but. The most ubiquitous vinegar around the world is balsamic, and it's so funny because it's after doing this journey, after going through Europe, Japan, and North America, it is such an extraneous outlier. It is the only vinegar made in the world that I could find that actually is a syrup, so they take all the grape must, reduce it down to about forty percent, and then start fermenting that in a series of barrels called batteria in descending sizes, in different flavors of wood, starting from hardwoods like oak and ash, moving into softer ones that have flavor like cherry and juniper. So there's that story for you. And
0: and where 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 is this taking place? Everywhere: Japan, France, Italy. Well, balsamic, balsamic. only takes
1: place in two cities
0: in the world: Modena.
1: And Reggio Amelia, and they're butted why right. Why with those two?
0: How did they corner the market?
1: I don't know. Well, they did, and now they haven't. It was never supposed to be on the market either. I mean, it, it was something that was almost matriarchal. Mothers made it for their daughters when they were born
0: to be given as a dowry when they were married. And then, <laughs> and then, what were they going to do? It's part of the dowry, yeah. and so then you just use it. back then, yeah, it was, a gift. yeah it, it was a gift.
1: Yeah, it was. It was something applied to food raw, Parmesan, maybe some strawberries like you see on menus today. Mm -hmm. It's it's something that's already been cooked, so you don't want to cook it again. But again, it it was never actually supposed to be on market. Um, There was this guy, Chuck Williams of Mm Williams-Sonoma, 1972 brought back balsamic to the US and it boomed. Now it's a billion dollar industry. But it was made in... Attics. It was made in people's houses, you know. Again, for this dowry, for the familiar, not for the mass market. And now they're
0: scrambling to actually still preserve that traditional LA tradition. And so now you're talking about people making making their own vinegar. Yeah. How how does okay? So let's say like Michael, look, I want to make my own vinegar. Well, what do I do? I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you have to be. You have to be patient. Uh, mm-hmm. um, that is the number one ingredient and number one rule. It's all about time. There are ways to kind of force aerate vinegar to make that. Acetobacter make that second fermentation happen quicker, but you end up losing a lot of aroma, a lot of nuance, and a lot of that story too. And I am really passionate about having a narrative about vinegar rather than just buying something off a supermarket shelf. It's an agricultural product. There are people that are making it. There are products that it's made from, and it's kind of like drinking wine, and then you go to the you know vineyard and you see the yeah, you grapes on the, out the, in the grapes field. In the- this vinegar can have that connection as well
0: so so if i'm so i've asked you how do how do i make my my own vinegar what's what what can i use as my base ingredient is it beer wine figs
1: yeah uh let's work backwards so vinegar is made from alcohol alcohol is made from sugar sugar is made from starch so any starch that can convert into a sugar that can turn into an alcohol can
0: thusly become vinegar and hence, you're counseling patients. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
1: it's like that Tootsie Roll commercial, you know, where mm-hmm. everything in the world turns into a Tootsie Roll. Now I walk around the green market here in Union Square. I'm like, that could be vinegar. That could be vinegar. That could be vinegar. Same in the supermarket, too. You know, grains like rices and wheat, uh, fruits and vegetables have inherent sugar, honey, cane, maple syrup,
0: uh. uh Beer or wine, a whole bunch of spirits in your pantry, this is all potential vinegar. Okay, so th- okay, those are all potential vinegar. So now you've walked, through un- you've walked through Union Market, you're doing all this stuff, and now you get home, what do you need in terms of equipment, vessels, accessories, yeah. tools <laughs> to start making the vinegar?
1: I mean, the same things you need to make beer and wine. It's just another step past that. So I tell people, buy a home brewing kit. Or buy a home winemaking kit and then add maybe two to three things. You add a hydrometer if one's not already in there. It looks like this little bobbing temperature thing and it uh, tells you what the potential ABV or alcohol content's going to be if you're making your own booze. Um, a refractometer maybe before that. It looks like a little clarinet and you put it up to your eye and it's like a kaleidoscope of colors and tells you the amount of sugar that's in the solution, oh. which actually gives you your potential ABV. And then the third and probably most important thing uh, before taste are these little litmus tests, these pH strips. Uh, Okay. And And that's
0: it. And and so you put the pH strip in and is there a certain color that says, ha ha, I've got vinegar?
1: It tells you between 2.8 and 3.4 pH. And it's kind of this gradient scale of light green to bluish. And uh, if you're within that scale, you
0: should have acetic acid. Mm-hmm. And before we, we've got a, um, we've got three calls here for you. Before we get there, I need you to to define two terms here: input, output. Input is just what you're going to make it out of, and your output is
1: what you're hopefully going to make it into. Uh, which is vinegar. vinegar.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Diana on the Upper East Side has a question that involves Cleopatra. Diana.
2: Oh, great, too. Oh. Anyway, I'd like to know now, Cleopatra supposedly melted a pearl in vinegar to show Julius Caesar how prosperous Egypt was. What I want to know is, is vinegar caustic enough to melt a pearl?
1: Um, it's a great question. I have not experimented with a pearl yet. But vinegar... As we know it in the U.S., as it's sold on the shelves at 4 to 6% acidity, probably not. I mean, if it is, it will take a long, long time. But that 4 to 6% acidity is actually a weak acid. So you can actually buy acetic acid, which is what that acid is in vinegar, um, up to glacial amounts of 90+. And that's used in the medical field as cauterizing agents. So if you use that, you probably could. But uh, culinary-grade vinegar... Um, if you got a pearl and waited, you know, years upon years, maybe. But I know in that story, I think she did it overnight and she must have been using some strong stuff.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Aaron in Long Island has a question. Um, this one involving mushrooms. Aaron.
2: Hi. Thanks. Um, well, my husband and I, um, 20 years ago on our honeymoon in France, we had friends in France and they owned a hotel. They had a wonderful restaurant. Anyway, uh, my husband convinced uh, this friend to give us a piece of their vinegar mother, which we smuggled back uh, to the United States. So over the years, we have been making our own vinegar, um, mostly red wine, but we have white wine too. But there's been times where we kind of uh, let it go for a month or two, or I hate to say, maybe even a year. And now... um, I just don't know if that mother is still alive. I mean, I keep feeding it, but but sometimes I can't see it anymore. And um, so, I just wanted your opinion about you know, is there a time frame with these mushroom with the uh, mothers?
0: Okay, Aaron, that is a great question. And for listeners out there who have no idea about <laughs> vinegar making. Please Michael explain what mother what mother is yeah, not yeah. who mother yeah, is Yeah
1: yeah sometimes <laughs> some people name their mother so sometimes it's a question of who but a mother is the same thing that you see on like uh, kombucha it is a scoby this simultaneous colony of yeast and bacteria and or bacteria yeast for the acronym. Um, and what it is, it's just a whole bunch of cellulose. And it is this thing that forms during the conversion of ethyl alcohol to acetic acid. Um, when the acetobacter eats the alcohol and spits it out, it it, it forms, but I'm going to call a little BS on mothers. Uh, what? Yeah. And, and same goes for sour, sa- vinegar mothers, that is. Uh, <laughs> and same goes for like sourdough starters. Uh, they are great stories but they aren't necessary. I mean, they do help accelerate a process, um, sometimes even hyper accelerate that process because they're creating a place for that enzymatic reaction to happen. Um, Mothers can also be dangerous because in vinegar, if one's growing and it grows too large, touches the side of whatever vessels and suffocates the solution underneath, it's going to kill that vinegar. And when a mother drops and falls to the bottom, then it's actually not a live mother anymore because mothers need Oxygen to survive, or vinegar need oxygen to survive. So this this concept of mothers, it does sometimes help, but it, it's more about environment and having the right variables and controls in place. Um, be it sugar content, alcohol um, percentage, uh, temperature, and time; those are more important than ever having a mother.
0: So, so the the mother mother of, of vinegar is a is a living thing. Yep, that you can keep around for how long? Because Erin said that she had hers for a long time and wasn't quite sure if it yeah, was still alive. if
1: you keep it healthy, it can stay around for a very, very long time, and it can float on the surface. Years, we're talking. Oh, decades. decades. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. But again, it isn't a necessity in the vinegar making process. Okay. And which is like, why you were calling BS. Yeah, yeah.
0: On mothers of vinegar. <laughs> mothers not, of vinegar. Not mothers. Correct. Like our. Yes. Mothers. Okay. Um. Oh, did we lose Charlie? In Staten Island? No, there's Charlie. Charlie in Staten Hi. Island has a question about vinegar. Yeah,
2: uh, the cuisine in Sicily centers around agra dolce, the sweet and sour. And uh, I'm just wondering if there are any other cuisines in which that phenomenon of getting that perfect taste between acid and, and sugary is, if there's anywhere else in the world where, where it's used, or is that just something that's limited to Sicily or southern Italy?
1: Um, yeah. No, no. I mean, it's all over the world. Um, Sicily has some great examples like, you know, caponata, um, which is uh, kind of a relish with eggplant and raisins and pine nuts. Uh, there's also ensayor, which is taking a piece of fish where you usually either fry or broil it and then submerge in the... Spicy herbaceous vinegar solution um, that's less sugary than sour. But then you go to China; there's are sweet and sour there for sure. Um, there's sweet and sour gastriques in France, a, a syrup that you reduce down with sugar and syrup. I mean, sugar and vinegar um,
0: shrubs too, which are in the cocktail realm or a little bit sweet and sour. Yeah, I had a question here about shrubs, but I'm gonna I'm gonna find it, and while I'm looking for it, we're gonna talk to Ed Ed who's somewhere in North America, Ed.
2: <laughs> Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Um, I'm calling from Farmie by the way. Um, I have a problem. My girlfriend is allergic to vinegar, and I was wondering besides her juice, which is kind of hard to come by and has a shorter lifespan, um, is there a formula I can use for using citric acid to get the the acid rather than whatever seems to trigger her allergy?
1: It's interesting. So I am not a acid elitist. I don't just use vinegar. I use citrus as well. Um, you know, yogurt has lactic acid. Amba, dried mango powder from India, is also an acid. There are a lot of different acids around the world. So as much uh, as this book is all about vinegar, you know, if you have an allergy or an aversion to it, obviously don't take it. Um, but you can reach for a lemon. You could reach for a lime. You can buy pure citric acid at some supermarkets. It's also known as sour salt. My grandma mm-hmm. was Romanian and uh, made a lot of sweet and sour meatballs using that. But ascorbic acid actually is flavorless acid and can be used for the sensation alone. And then you can adjust the flavor as you want.
0: Huh. We've, we've uh, Michael, we've gotten a couple of questions from, from social media. One yeah. listener on Twitter asks, if you can be allergic to vinegar... And not allergic to wine. I am not an expert
1: in answering that question, but I'm, yeah, there are two different things. One's acetic acid and one's ethyl alcohol. So I'm assuming that if you're allergic to vinegar, you're probably allergic to
0: acetic acid in mm-hmm. some way. And, and another listener wants to know, when do you know your wine has become vinegar? Is it a smell? It, is is certainly I'm assuming a taste. It but. is it is a lot of things. It is a <laughs> ten to twelve
1: page master recipe at the end of my book. I literally give one recipe on how to make your vinegar because there is no simple and straightforward way of saying add this much mother to this much wine or add this much, you know, base ingredient to this much solution and wait this long. it, it it's about environment. It's about controls and variables. So taste is you know, paramount. You know, if you taste it and it tastes like vinegar, it is vinegar. But the best way to check that is with those litmus uh, mm-hmm. tests. Then you can do titration uh, to see the percentage of acidity in there. But, you know, there are different
0: smells, too, depending on what you make your vinegar out of. And and so to my mind, when I read that question, I'm thinking, like, you've opened a bottle of wine on Monday and you've had maybe a glass and then you forget, you are traveled and then you're back two weeks later. It's like, oh, my God, it's vinegar. Yeah. It's not that easy. Uh, it can be. Wait, just you—you leave a bottle of wine out. With That's no how mother, I first made
1: it, with no mother involved. <laughs> That's how I first made it, accidentally. You see
0: how I'm hip with the link? Yeah, absolutely. Now, and speaking of tasting, tasting vinegar, you have vinegar here. I do. Are you daring um, enough? Well, I'm—I'm I'm just trying to. So this is Gegenbauer. Oh, wait, you came with a spoon. Oh yeah. Um, so it's in this clear bottle, Elder Sour PX Noble Sour. Wait, nineteen. That's the. This isn't from nineteen. No, no. That's when the vinegar factory was established in nineteen twenty nine.
1: Okay, and so what am I supposed to do with this, Michael? You gave me a spoonful. Take a, spoon a little, take the a little spoonful. Do you want me to explain it before or after?
0: Sure. No, no. Explain. Explain now.
1: <laughs> so fifteen years ago, I was in a kitchen in Boston, Number Nine Park, and the chef there was Barbara Lynch. How am I and supposed? How much? Am yeah, I supposed just
0: to, just a little dab. Just a
1: dab. Yeah. Don't worry. This this Some isn't awesome. the strong okay. stuff. Okay. Go ahead. Um. And I had this cap full of vinegar. She handed to me in the middle of service and said, "Take this." And I shot that little cap full back, and I, it just kind of stopped me in my tracks. I had never tasted anything like that before. Wait, the same. Th- yes, what I'm, what I'm this, about to, this, You <laughs> it exactly, you and, your yeah. and I haven't had you this wrote a for book fifteen about this. years. What's gonna happen to yeah. me? <laughs> you might have to write acid trip too. Okay, um, go on. Having this vinegar was so formative on my palate because I know I, I see the face happening. It certainly is sour, but it is like nothing I'd ever tasted before. It, it's it's got That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the sapidity of balsamic, but it's a little lighter. It's more drinkable, a little more quaffable, maybe an acquired taste. No,
0: I'm like I'm getting... I Yeah, keep talking. Yeah, it's
1: opening up and it has like those wine notes, a little jammy, a little stewed, maybe yeah. like raisins. But this guy, Erwin Gegenbauer, 15 years after that experience of first having it, I found myself in Vienna at his doorstep. Uh, so... Astro trip really is not just a journey, but it was kind of me keep on going. Uh closing this cycle. He started making this for himself as a drinking vinegar. It's three point two percent acidity. So actually in the US I don't think it's classified as vinegar, it's just a little bit under that. Um Because he didn't want to drink schnapps with his friends all the time.
0: (laughs) So he decided to drink vinegar? Yeah.
1: Well, his family were lauded pickle makers and sauerkraut makers in Vienna for generations upon generations. And it got a little too commercial for him that he wanted to get to the core of what he was making. And the core of all those pickles were vinegar. So he became a vinegar maker. And he makes the most pure and singular vinegars I've ever had in my life. And this PX Noble Sour was my first introduction to the man named Gegenbauer.
0: Wow, I'm, I'm taking a picture of this bottle. Yeah. This is good. I mean, I look, I was vinegar really, but this this is great. Okay, so before we because we're running out running out of time. But wait, there's more?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, what is this? We can't we can't have you taste that without tasting the balsamic. Uh, uh, so this oh. is a 12-year-old balsamic from this woman, Mariangela Motinari, mm-hmm. um, in Modena and she actually has her own vineyard, and there are a few vinegar makers or balsamic makers um, that oh, actually goodness. have that. Yeah, just Wait, kind of work that oh, little cork out. Oh, and just oh, pour it on the edge of your hand. or Yeah, you can put it right there. Oh, is right it between. That thick? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like that Heinz commercial.
0: Oh, like in the... Rah, rah, yeah, right totally.
1: There. But, you know, this takes 12 years to make, and it, it, it's... It's taking 12 <laughs> years to come out of the bottle. <laughs> but what Mariangela does, oh, um, oh. She, she gives such personality. I'll go for it. All right. That was a good dab.
0: Yeah, that's the vinegar I don't Yeah. (laughs) Go on. But
1: it's expressive. Like, it starts opening up, and it tells this story of who Mariangela is, where she makes her vinegar, how her father used to make it. She actually makes this vinegar named after her grandmother, Demetria. And she explained who her grandmother was to me, this kind of joyful soul that had, you know, a little bit of humor. And she kind of was like in the background, but the life of the party. And then I tasted the vinegar named after her, and all those characteristics were true in that vinegar as well. But I, I think, you know, tasting these kind of vinegars kind of pushes that white distilled bottle that you find at the supermarket back into your pantry, if not, you know, down your drain and and shows you that there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of person behind these products.
0: Yeah. This L, um, I mean, it makes me think of the wine that I love to drink. I like my wines to be big and bold and you can cut it with a knife. And, um, yeah, I'm a fan of the Gegenbauer. Um, okay. Um, I have to ask you about, since I like this Gegenbauer to drink and I've now had two tiny spoonfuls. Um, but people are using vinegar in cocktails? Oh, yeah, they are. Is this a new thing? I or mean, folks are just paying attention to it?
1: I think pay, uh, people are using shrubs. And so what shrubs yeah, are that's yeah, right. was, is, is um, usually a juice fortified with some sugar. And then vinegar, so it will last throughout the season, throughout the year. You can put it up and you know have it on your bar and it's a stable substance. Well, I'm actually calling for people to move past shrub, shrubs and start just putting vinegar in their cocktails instead of, a uh, you know, dash of lemon, dash of lime. There's a different kind of acidity, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's a different flavor profile, but there's just one amazing recipe. Well, there are many, I think, good recipes in this book about cocktails where my friend Damon Bolte of Grand Army Bar in Brooklyn makes Negronis and then puts a float of balsamic vinegar like Mariangela's La Caldenone vinegar on top. And what I realized, Negronis are one of my favorite drinks for many reasons. I love bitter. I love that there are three kinds of alcohol in there, but it's it's mm-hmm. a lot of alcohol. You pour a little balsamic on top, rounds the whole thing out with acidity.
0: Oh, I'm going to have to try that. Michael, thank you very much. I'm Jonathan Capehart, in for Leonard Lopate. And I've been speaking with Michael Harlan Turkel, whose latest book is Acid Trip, Travels in the World of Vinegar. Thank you so much for joining me and turning me on to this gig. welcome. Michael Turkel will be at the 92nd Street Y on December 7th at 7 p.m. in conversation with Francine Sagan. Ivan Orkin, and Neil Kleinberg. For tickets and more information, visit our show page at wnyc.org slash